Welcome to This Biz Life, the podcast that uncovers the heart of entrepreneurs through their story. I'm your host, Lizzie McCauley, a copywriter and copy coach with a massive soft spot for small business owners and entrepreneurs. I truly believe that storytelling is at the core of building any business and that our unique story is our marketing superpower. Each episode, I'll introduce you to a new business owning legend brave enough to share their story. And maybe, just maybe, you'll be inspired to share yours too. Ready to roll? Let's dive in. Well then, hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of This Biz Life. I, of course, am your host. Very happy to be here. I am Lizzie McCauley. I am a copywriter and copy coach who helps small business owners and entrepreneurs turn their words into money. And it is lots of fun. Uh, I also, would you believe it, do this podcast, which is a lot, a lot of fun because we get to talk to some very cool people and none cooler than today's guest, the amazing Marendi Leverett, who is an incredible business owner, multi-passionate, I would say, uh, based out of Brisbane. So Mirendi is the owner and founder of Mirendi Health and Authentic Healthpreneurs. Mirendi Health offers exercise physiology, health coaching and injury rehabilitation services, providing personal service and holistic care to empower their clients, her clients even, to improve and maintain good health, fitness and quality of life. Authentic Healthpreneurs, conversely, is a bespoke business strategy and coaching business that helps support, guide, nurture, and empower female health clinicians to remove their fears, find their inner power, and start their own unique and authentic health business. Holy cow, Marendi! Just a few <laughs> things to do. Welcome. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Hey, no, I'm really, it's been, we've known each other for a little while now and it's, it's finally time for us to get it official, podcast official recorded. We did it. <laughs> we've done it. We've done it finally, yes. <laughs> hey, so you're, you're kind of, you got a lot of fingers in a lot of pies. You are about the most busy business owner, most busy human I think I've ever met. How do you do it? I personally don't know how I do it, but they always <laughs> say give the work to the busiest person and they'll get it done. They'll find work. <laughs> People say, do you sleep? Yeah, I sleep. At least an hour and a half a night. It's great. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. But, yeah, oh, I don't know. If I, I, I totally think if I'm not doing something, I'm literally asleep or I'm bored out of my brain. I've got to be mm. on the go. And, no, I don't have ADD or ADHD that I know of, but... um, <laughs> That I know of, big caveat yeah. there. <laughs> well, you know, I've got one child with ADD and I'm sort of going, oh, do I, don't I? But, no, I just love, I love what I do. And, mm. um, yeah, I just love being busy. So. That's fair. And it kind of helps to be busy with stuff that you actually enjoy rather than just being, damn it, I'm busy and I hate it all. Like, yeah, <laughs> well, I don't have time to get that in. Oh, no, I'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes it easy when you love it. So this is uh, it's a bit of an interesting podcast because as you, you sort of indicated before we started chatting, you're like, oh, my God, this is a business podcast, but all these questions, they're not very businessy. What's the problem? So my podcast is all about taking a look behind the scenes and, and how you got to be in business, I suppose, based on your life story and how that sort of interweaves, intermingles with your brand story and how that helps you attract the, the quote unquote correct, the right people for you. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a series of five questions 
and they're the same that I ask everybody and there have been no two answers the same and we're well into the first season now, which is very cool. So I'm very excited to hear what you have to say as well. Well, my story, where do you want me to start? <laughs> well, I've got to ask the question first because your story is spectacular. I know there's going to be some some peaks and some valleys and it's going to be, we're going to go on the journey with you. So let's let's get rolling. Marendi, what's your story, man? What's my story, mate? Gosh, gosh. I Normally when people ask me this question, I normally start back 25 odd years ago when I first started in business as an ex-physiologist, actually fell into it. I never had dreams or desires to run my own business. I guess oh. when I first, I just wanted to get a job as an <laughs> ex-physiologist because back in the day, there were very few jobs. So if you were able to score a job, you were like winning. But um, I guess it was my second employer, you know, who said, oh, I've got this client. I can't refer it internally because it will be seen as a conflict of interest. Sure. Because I worked for a council. Gotcha. Uh, oh, would you mind seeing them on the side? And, you know, you'll have to get an ABN for that and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. I was, <laughs> you know, 20, what was I, 24, 25, didn't have a care in the world. Yeah, I'll get an ABN. What's that all about? <laughs> Easy. <laughs> I think that was why I, I took it in my stride because mm-hmm. I grew up with entrepreneurs. Like if I really think back, you know, my forefathers were farmers, you know, pioneers in their area. My mum had her own hairdressing salon before she had me and my brother. Right. And my dad, um, we had a farm. So we were always self-employed and dad was always coming up with new grand ideas of what we were going to grow this season. And, you know, nice. and then he had this dream to have a winery. So I'd always been helping in the family business. So I guess it's in the blood Yeah, <laughs> because it's just been a natural thing that I've been surrounded by. I guess I just kind of, the natural progression was, oh yeah, I'll start my own business. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so you, even it sounds like your dad was also kind of a multi-passionate entrepreneur as well. Oh yeah. I still remember now someone from QUT, a business student came out and interviewed him one day. And it was the first time I'd actually heard the word entrepreneur. Nice. He said he was studying entrepreneurship and he wanted to interview my dad. And I'm like, how the hell did you find out about my dad? <laughs> you want to interview him oh my god that is so amazing <laughs> how the hell did you find out about your dad still don't know to this day because that was <laughs> before internet <laughs> just just a year or two just a smidge <laughs> oh way more than I think I was a teenager ah. or a very young adult before computers it would have been before I started uni so don't want to know how long ago that was <laughs> at least several weeks ago it's fine it's cool. <laughs> yes no yes. way so then, so then, so you had entrepreneurial parents of different, like business owning parents, somewhere between there and 24, 25, maybe uni study, a bit of work in between. Is that kind of how it ran? What happened? Well, yeah, I went off to uni, did the standard thing, didn't know what I wanted to do. Sure. Went and did a Bachelor of Arts because I said, told, yeah, just do a few different things. So I studied psychology, studied science, found this subject all this modality of human movements because ah. back then physiology didn't exist gotcha. and that's when I fell in love with it so yeah I went off and changed to a human movement degree which is now exercise mm. physiology I just loved how the human body worked yeah um, but I knew I didn't want to be a nurse <laughs> yeah it's a both yeah. ways it's not easy though being in in healthcare is a, a spectacularly challenging oh. and varied uh industry yeah. 
exactly. Um, yeah. So, and then I thought, oh, well, when I was at high school, I thought I wanted to be a physio, but soon realized, no, I didn't want to be a physio. <laughs> no. So what's the difference then between a physio and an exercise physiologist? So how I describe it to people is physios deal with acute injuries and they're the ones that give you the manual therapy, make you feel all good inside, might invoke some pain or might <laughs> leave some pain. Whereas exercise physiologists, I say it's all hands off. You've got to be motivated and you've got to be accountable and do it yourself. I can guide you and give you exercises to recover from injury, whether it's acute, chronic, but on the other side too that physios don't do is that we deal with a lot of chronic health conditions so you know things like heart disease diabetes all those things that exercise can help but um physio ain't going to help someone who's got asthma or you can't really um adjust the lungs so well (laughs) no no it involves exercise so um that's what i loved is being able to help and like you said in the intro, I love empowering people to take responsibility for their own health. And, you know, mm. big thing I've been preaching for as long as I can remember is exercise is medicine. If yeah. you exercise just a little bit every day, I'm not talking about going to the gym and, you know, pumping iron and sweating it out, blah, blah, blah. Just doing incidental exercise activity mm. every day is going to help improve your health. Yeah. So that's what I love is, yeah, empowering clients to take yeah responsibility for their own health. Yeah, um, for sure. And you know what else is, is interesting about what you were what you were saying there? It's something that I, I talk about quite a lot with with everyone, especially in the when they're going through the process of choosing who they're going to market towards, is that is that you tried a bunch of different stuff before you found the thing. And I think that's such an important part of every business owner's journey is that you, you're not going to land on the exact right thing first time. Um, and it's fine to to tinker with stuff and have a go and see how it fits. It's like trying a different coat on over and yeah. over again to see which one fits you just perfectly. And I think what's really important and what you've clearly done for yourself is, is to acknowledge that this thing doesn't fit and that's okay and that's this kind of thing of just because you can do something doesn't mean you should so maybe you could have been a psychologist maybe you could have done I don't know sociology or something but it wasn't the the thing that fits you best and then exercise physiology came along and that was the the the, like the perfect thing for you right exactly and like you're saying too in that even like I say to people now don't go and start out business straight out fresh out of uni or whatever I always say go and get experience elsewhere because again, you're going to learn what you like about whatever totally. that your profession is, whether it is you've done a marketing degree or you've done a HR degree or mm. whatever it is. It's such a broad, um, whatever your degree is you do is so broad. You learn everything. And yeah. then it's when you go out into the real world and get a job. That's when you fine tune and go, hey, I actually like this area of, mm. of my profession. And, um, you know, go and experience all the different aspects of it and then find out what your joy or your niche is okay. and fine tune it because I think if you try and do it too early on yeah no, it doesn't work oh well, yeah that's I was sharing the other day I I've had um between 30 and 40 jobs in my life <laughs> because I did like I had I went to uni I did all the things like tick the box of the things yeah. I was supposed to do from the ages of you know five to 18 <laughs> and then when 
oh, well, I don't know what to do now. I'm out of boxes to tick. And then I was a little adrift. And so, I, you know, I worked in hospitality. I worked in um, tertiary education, like the, the gamut of random stuff. But it took me trying all of those things to know what I didn't like. Yeah. And also it gave me permission to let go of those things as well, though. Like I, I never felt compelled to stay just because it would be... I never felt compelled to stay because that was what you were supposed to do. You're supposed to have one job and one job only. I don't think it's really like that anymore. Um, So it's good, even for you, like you see what you've set up and and how many different facets there are to it. It's not like you just have the one business and that's it. You're you're a lecturer, you're a (laughs) mentor. You do so many different things within the one idea, I suppose. Yeah, well, I guess that's the thing I'm quite fortunate about with my profession is that, you know, I'm not, you can't pigeonhole us into something. So I'm really Mm. quite fortunate that being one of the, what do they call us? Can't remember, but one of the first, uh, you know, exercise physiologists, essentially. Sure. I've kind of paved the, well, not kind of, I have. I'm Mm. one of the few who's paved the way for the future of all our other uh, exercise physiologists in our profession and, you know, allowed our profession to grow. So back in the old days when we first graduated, you literally either got a job with an institute of sport and went down the research sports science route or you um, went off to become a personal trainer, glorified personal trainer or work in cardiac rehab. That Mm. was the extent of it. Um, but nowadays as and in our profession, you can do lots of things. And so, yeah, I'm quite uh, pleased and blessed that I've been able to work across various different streams, you know, from clinical tertiary to, you know, occupational rehab. And now you're moving into business yes. world as clinicians, you're not taught how to run a business. <laughs> no. And that's the thing. I think, I think we might have talked about the fact 4 billion years ago, I, I, trained as a personal trainer which clearly not to the same level of experience or intelligence or any of that as as what you've studied and what what you've developed but the thing that always struck me about any of these courses that you do is that they're teaching you practical skills yes but nothing about how to run a business and I think that's what's so great about authentic healthpreneurs is it's sort of bridging that gap between what you need to know to help people and what you need to know to run a successful business. I think that's been fascinating to watch. Well, you know, it's so true, like they say, and they're even still saying it now because now I'm doing some guest lecturing in business. Nice, great. (laughs) On your fathom, not teaching clinical skills, but they still say that people who start a business in the first five years will fail. Yeah. And again, they're showing the stats because the guys I'm working with at Uni of SC, they've got this special interest in health professions or the health industry starting businesses because they know that, yeah, none of us have been trained in business. You pretty much Mm. go, oh, I'm going to open a clinic or you inherit a clinic from someone else or like what happened to me, someone wanted to start referring people to me. I'm like, oh, okay. I had a little bit of business acumen because of my dad. Like I used to do keeping for his business. I used to help with a little bit of marketing in the very early days when you just had flyers and stuff <laughs> on the front door of the business as well. But yeah, a lot of people don't. They literally graduate uni and um, they think, oh, I can't get a job. I'm going to go and start my own business. And yeah, you're setting yourself up for failure. You really need to be, have some kind of mentoring or, you know, help, mm. have someone help you set up the foundations. So sure. 
yeah, set up the foundations for success because if you don't have systems and processes in place or you don't even have the right forms or templates for, you know, what you're mm. doing, um, yeah. You know. It's difficult. Mm. I wonder, though, here's my, here's my question for you is if you have gone to study a particular skill that isn't business, would you, do you believe, would somebody engage with the topic if they were said, if they were told, okay, so anatomy and physiology, that's a compulsory subject. Also, business management is now also a compulsory subject. Do you think that would be met with praise and relief or do you think that would be met with resistance? Oh, I don't know. I think it could be a bit of both because there are some people who are, are, are a, a good employee they're only ever mm. gonna they just want to clock on clock off and that's it see their clients for the day and go home sure. whereas you've got those other people who have a drive or a, in a fire where they just want to be able to do so much more so I think it probably would never become a compulsory I think it would be an elective mm. and but I think still having it as an option for students would be great because then it would give them some insight into do I really want to run a business yes. because it would give them that background even now like one of my 18 year olds he studied a cert three in business and I'm so glad he did mm. at high school because I feel like he's going to be set up now for life totally no matter what he well now he's studying business as well but even if he went off to study something else he has this cert three in business he has some foundational skills whereas now my daughter's studying business in year 10 I'm really excited because she will then know whether or not when it comes to choosing university whether she thinks she wants to run a business or she's like you know what I've done that tried it out wasn't for me I'm going to take this path so I think it's really important people get exposed to different things sure. um like from the old days of school you used to get exposed legal studies accountancy you know yes. where I feel like these days it's not as well, it is. It's still happening, but I think some schools are disadvantaged where they don't have the students able to try out different things. I know my school was a small school, so we mm. I didn't get to try legal studies. I didn't get to try accountancy. The only thing I got to try was keyboarding and word processing skills. Which <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> a really basic computer course because that sure. was when computers had first come in, but I knew I didn't want to do typing because I knew typing and typewriters were phasing out so yeah. I well, that was great for me but it would have been good to have been offered other opportunities which you know that's what I say to the kids at school really think about don't think about the standard subjects of your sciences and sociology subject if mm. you want some practical skills then do well they didn't call it legal studies now it's called law <laughs> oh there you go sounds very yeah, flash they, when you call it law yeah. <laughs> psychology at school now so wow. think that's great too because again I think if you've got some foundational knowledge of stuff you're better set up for when you finish school because again yeah. like I said I was a really naive kid finishing school like I mm. said I didn't know what I wanted to be I thought I wanted to be a PE teacher thought I wanted to be a physio and it wasn't until I finished my degree and I discovered all these other health practitioners mm. workplace health and safety OTs speech therapists mm. um, I was like oh I was never exposed to it at school sure I think yeah nowadays the kids are a lot more set up where they're given opportunities to do certificate courses in hospitality or childcare or business and even if they don't use it later on in life I speak to so many people who said they were so grateful 
for doing a certificate course. Yeah. Um, like I know a guy, I can't remember what he did a certificate course in, but he now works as a tradie. Oh, no, that's right. He did a certificate course in business. He's now a tradie. And now he knows how to run a business because he's done that course. And he totally. feels so much more empowered for it. So, yeah. yeah. Anything you learn or train is ever wasted. You're always no. going to be utilizing your skills. So, totally. No, no, I totally agree with that. I think um, that's kind of the best bit is that no matter what you've learned, you can always draw on it and reapply it in a different way as well. So, yeah, very cool. Hooray yeah. for education. <laughs> now I need to just get my kids to listen to this buddy episode and maybe they'll start to appreciate um, your school. Maybe when they're 12, they might be willing to listen. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Mirandi, question two. You've lived in a fascinating life. What's your greatest triumph? Oh, my gosh. I, mm, there's so many. Triumph is ha- having five children. That would be. That'll do it. <laughs> Um, but my greatest triumph was probably, you know, Merendi Health, growing it from just myself to mm. having, I literally, I think at one point had 10 clinicians working for me across mm. the locations clinics. That was probably, and I guess the cherry on the top was probably 2010 when I won awards. I was like, mm. what's this awards thing? I've done won awards <laughs> in my life. Um, yeah, so that was, I guess, a validation that the, the empire I created was worthy of receiving awards. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, to do it all on my own without any financial backing and yeah. um, and being a health clinician, again, there's no not a lot of money to be made in the health industry. So yeah, that's probably my greatest triumph was creating, yeah, Merendi Healthy Empire. Absolutely, the empire. I wish that was on the logo somewhere, Merendi Health. Well, it's not so um, much empire anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it, <laughs> like these things, the they, they ebb and flow, don't they? But also, yeah. you know, building that at the same time as raising a family of four, four going well, on five. Or three. <laughs> three going on five. There you go. See? So it's not exactly like you had nothing else on your plate as well. So well, to be able yeah. to do both things beautifully, pretty awesome. Well, and at the same time, you know, I lost my dad um, in 2009 yeah. as well. So, gotcha. you know, you're battling him with a chronic health condition for, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, since the boys were babies. So, yeah, for like three or four years. So having that and to support my mum and be the extra mm. backup carer plus yeah. having three little people, I don't know how I did it. See, I, you're going to say that about your entire career, your entire life. You look back and go, I, look, I don't know. It just happened around me. Like, uh, but I, I think having the business helped keep me going because sure. that's what a lot of people said. You know, a lot of people I speak to say they lost a parent and they're just in depths of despair. And I just say I couldn't mm. be in depths of despair. You know, I had a business. I had staff. Yes. Um, and I had three little children who needed their mum. Mm. I had to, yes, I grieved, but. I couldn't put myself in a hole and just give up on life, you know. No. And then I had to support my mum who, yeah, lost the love of her life. So, yeah, Brandy had to put a big girl panties on and just keep oh. going. <laughs> but that's, I suppose, like that's what I've seen of you since since we've known each other is that you've always, and I mean this in the most positive sense of the phrase, but you've always been a scrapper. Like you, you don't let anything stop you. You're so resilient. You just carry on and push through and find a way. And you're just the most persistent, 
unflappable person I think that I know you just go and you know that it will work out as and when it's supposed to so it's been great to watch well thank you (laughs) anytime compliments are free here I've got to be more open to accepting praise and comments that's one of my downfalls is I'm just Uh, just just saying no, no, Miranda, you need to sit in that and accept that these people think you're a fantastic person. There you go. They're not meant to be not lying. I know, but it's I'm just, you know, that's why I say I'm just doing what I love. Like I'm yeah. not, I'm not out to monopolize the world or whatever. I just it's helping one person at a time. That's really yeah. my ultimate goal. Yeah. See, that's that's a beautiful goal to have. Hey, guess what? We're up to the next question. I know, and I'm like, <laughs> I love it. Don't look at don't look ahead. Just I just be in the moment. Oh my gosh, yes. What's something that surprised you, Mirandy? Oh my gosh, there's been so many things, but I guess I'm probably gonna say I've su- surprised me, I surprised myself. So back in um what was it, 2003? Yeah, 2003, literally the Mirandy Empire fell. <laughs> Anything I had done wrong. It literally was just a change in the environment and as I say to people you know yes well I I had had eggs in different baskets but one of my major contracts fell through so back then I had a contract with Queensland Health to run healthy lifestyle programs for them and we would get a monthly retainer from them to run these programs blah 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 and it was back literally was um when the government had a change of government the new government I can't remember it was must have been liberal came in and they literally shut down everything related to health. Oh. So I had friends who lost jobs at Queensland Health. I lost all my funding overnight. So wow. this was 50 grand a year I was getting to run healthy lifestyle programs. I lost it literally overnight. Jeez. You can't come back from that. You can't replace that with something else. No, and not overnight either. You know? No, so, and, you know, expenses were going up rent was going up electricity was going up medicare weren't increasing their rebates and here we are again 10 years later and everyone is screaming about medicare and it's not sustainable yeah so luckily i had fallen back in well i'd gone into the return to work off rehab space and that was quite lucrative but not enough to replace 50 grand a year no and to cover the cost of a full-time employee with what that was doing I had one employee doing that project for me so oh my gosh it was really a struggle for that yeah first six months of that year that I again it was it was and I've learned from it and I'm no longer feel guilty or ashamed of it but I literally had to declare bankruptcy and um and pretty much shut all my clinics go back to just me get rid of all my staff which was the saddest thing to have to let all my staff go and just get back to little old me. And I guess that was the big surprise for me is that I just went, okay, shut down my company of Mirendi Health. But luckily at the time, my partner at the time was an accountant. He's like, you can still work, Mirendi. Just reopen your own personal ABN and continue Mirendi Health on. And it's just you. Sure. I went, okay, cool. Mm. So that's you- the biggest surprise was me that I was able to again put my big girl panties on go okay I have to get rid of all that but I can still run Marindy Health it's just going to look very different to what it was reimagined was there any extra kind of tension within yourself because your actual name was attached to the business as well 
Did that have an impact? Uh, yes and no. I think it was more I felt guilty that I had to let go of staff. Sure. And um, uh, there was one particular staff member who didn't take it very good. Oh, dear. And I think there was some nastiness there. Like I was getting hate mail. Jeez. Like mail in my mailbox, hate mail. And I also had a landlord. One landlord was fine. He's like, yep, you've gone bankrupt. You can't pay your rent. See you later. Move mm. out. Oh, thank you. Another <laughs> landlord wanted to take me to court to claim everything. Whoa. Like, I just declared bankruptcy. You can't do it. So that caused me a lot of angst and stress. But yeah, the main thing that was, I knew I could still continue on because Merendi is my name and mm. health could go on in other capacities. I think what really got me the most is I had to let go of staff. I had to close clinics and I had to tell clients that I was moving. Like Mm -hmm. I had to move my bit, you know, shut literally shut up services and classes and just essentially I had to focus just on my return to work stuff because that was mobile. That was stuff I could do. Yeah. Whereas I had no premises anymore. I couldn't run classes. Um yeah. So and then I had a lot of a few disgruntled clients as well. Well angry at me. And I'm like well, you know what, this is what's happened if you don't want to understand it. But, you know, I'm not going to keep staff on who I can't afford to pay. No, no, of course. <laughs> I think people people can be, especially when they're in some level of discomfort or pain, can be a little mm-hmm. short-sighted as to other people's needs and, and why things are the way they are. <laughs> made me realise how, I guess, integral the business was to them and their lives, whether they sure. were staff or clients, it was obviously part of who they were. And they're like, well, what are we going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was probably the yeah biggest surprise. Take it bad, but also positive. I think I was able to, yeah, reinvent myself. Well, there you go. And I guess that's, that's the moral to that story is no matter how bad it gets, there's always a new path. There's a new way to reinvent yourself and move forward. Yeah. But it's taken me, yeah, 10 years to stop beating myself up about it. It's not, it's not either. Like not, it's nothing you could have, nothing at all that you could have avoided or prevented or or overcut like in any other ways. Just the rug was pulled out for you. Any risk management you could have done would not have been able to save. But anyway, but you know, look, I say to people, you've got to learn from every mistake you know what's the thing they say fail means first attempt in learning don't ever think Mm. of it as you you learn from your fails like every business owner you know big ones you think of all of them have been through some kind of whether bankruptcy or you know whatever yeah Um, and they've yeah reinvented themselves Mm. it's all part of the process well I think that's especially when you take big swings okay there are there are risks attached to that there are also really great big rewards attached to it as well so you can understand why people head in that direction and and enjoy a bit of growth and and it doesn't always work out the way you plan but that's what you do next I guess that matters most yes most definitely mm-hmm. all right Randy <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a contra well it's not controversial question but there have been a very varying degree of answers to it yes. what's a moment you wish you could do over mm. if you have one yeah no no it would be it would probably be back 15 years ago so um I had a little clinic we were doing really well we'd only been there 12 months but we would had outgrown the space right um and we needed to move and of course 
I learned this a lot later on, you know, I, re- I react to fear. Okay. I'm going to find somewhere else. Oh my God, let's find the next place. <laughs> I probably should have spent more time trying to find a new space that was more aligned with me. I felt I was pressured one because I had a husband at the time who was quite controlling and domineering and was putting his own two cents worth in because, you know, it was my business, but he was the silent partner of it. Sure. I probably should have just waited six months. Mm. But I guess I was getting pressure because one of my staff wasn't getting along with someone we were sharing office space with. So I was kind of getting this full push to move out. Mm. Um, But I think the space I went into was probably too big for our boots. Essentially, we probably should have found something half the size. Gotcha. And half the price. I don't know. (laughs) In hindsight now, I just, and at the time, I moved with a 10-week-old baby. As you do. As you do. Crazy woman on hormones, you know. (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have panicked. I probably should have just bided my time. Mm. And, you know, because I just remember those first six months of having her sleepless nights of going, where am I going to find the money for the rent this month? Mm. Trying to grow this new clinic. And we literally moved. We didn't move one suburb. We moved like many kilometers so we lost some clients but gained some more I think yeah in hindsight probably should have done a bit more research um and not have moved when we did (laughs) I'm curious what did your gut tell you at the time like setting aside like oh crap you know we got to go we got to do these things and all these external stuff what did your gut tell you at the time I do you know what I don't I think I was just so high on pregnancy hormones, pressure from this staff member that she sure. wasn't getting along with this person we were sharing space with. And it was, it was pretty small. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think it was just also probably pressure from my husband at the time to find yes. somewhere. Yeah. I think I can't even remember now if I shopped around a lot or not, mm. but I should have realized when the landlord said you need to, it was this funny clause. I'd never had it before in any rental agreement where we had to put like three months rent into a separate bank account. I'm like, dude, I'm a small business. I don't have Mm. three months worth of rent, you know. Just hanging around. Yeah. Yeah. So we're able to change the clause, but now I regret it because he pretty Mm. much me over. So again, Mm. a naive, not, you know, I'd gone from yeah. a space where I was sharing rent, a rental space with someone. I wasn't mm. actually on lease. I would just pay them half of the rent. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think I should have shopped around more, probably got a bit more advice rather than just going with the first, yeah, really think about the space and where I wanted to have a business. I think, yeah, it was a knee-jerk reaction. Jerk. And that's totally understandable, especially given all of the different pressures all coming at once mm. and really just wanting to do the best thing for you, for your business, for, everyone, for, you, yeah. for everyone. And I'm about to have a baby and I'm like, oh, we're going to get in there soon. <laughs> you know, yeah. But, you know, you live and learn from it. You Listen learn. You. That's why I say you can't regret anything. No, it was just an opportunity to not do it the next time you're faced with a similar situation. Oh, well, I learned with my next lease. I found someone who was really fantastic didn't need you know three months rent in advance and the way they had their lease written up was perfect so when I 
went bankrupt. He's like, you're bankrupt. See you later. Foreclosure. And I was like, cool. And you know what? You know who those people I was renting from? They were solicitors. Oh, gosh. Like, right. (laughs) (laughs) So I always say to people, make sure you read the contracts. And if you don't, something doesn't feel right or you don't like it, don't go with it. Just, yeah. I suppose that's what makes you such a great mentor to have for business owners though as well is that you've seen Mm. everything you've seen it all and you know how to advise people from there well I do that's what I get lots of you know female health clinicians ringing me because a lot of times they're working as a contractor through a GP clinic or out of another health clinic Mm. and you know and they're trying to work out are they getting a best deal and you know because I've had so many different arrangements like I used to have arrangements with GP clinics you know I've had my own premises shared premises with other people so I've literally seen all the different types of lease arrangements you could have so I'm always saying to people well yeah you know this is what you got to look out for and at the end of the day if you're not going to make any money if you're losing out then it's not a good arrangement (laughs) for sure Mm -hmm. I don't like losing out it's no good Sure, you know, you're not in there seeing clients, but most of your money is going to paying someone else's rent. <laughs> totally. Yes. Return on investment is a big deal. Yes. yes. Right. So we've done our do-overs. We're already up to the last oh, question, Lorenta. Rattled through it. My goodness. All right. Do you have a parting lesson or words to live by or something along those lines for everybody? Oh, I have so many pearls of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> big one is research don't ever feel pressured to make a decision right there and then always mm-hmm. you always have time up your sleeve you can say to people give me 24 hours or give me 48 hours mm. if they really want to work with you or they really want whatever it is whether it is a, a lease or it's a contract working with someone else or you know whatever um or you're being a freelancer yeah never accept it straight on the spot always give yourself time to sleep on it or Mm. have someone else run it past someone else but I guess my big motto or is it mantra that I live by is you know fall down seven times get up eight that's it never give up just keep where there's a will there's a way you'd be given you know so many knockbacks and there's always going to be another way even if if you don't find it that day or in that week there'll be a way around it you've just got to patient um not get frustrated and yeah never take no as an answer man (laughs) totally I always find that uh, well I find it helpful to think of stuff that didn't go to plan is just not the right move like the not the right thing for the right time and that that softens it somehow I'm a true believer in your intuition and divine timing if it's Mm. meant to happen it should be seamless Easy. easy no issues but if you keep coming up with you know blockages after blockages or speed bumps or hurdles then it's not meant to happen it shouldn't be hard if it's meant to happen and it yeah it's supposed to yeah work it should just happen naturally there shouldn't be any pushback or you know resistance if you're Mm. finding getting resistance whether it's from a person or whatever yeah it's not meant to happen it's there's another way you've just got to accept it may not it may not be the right time either yep. not saying never say never it might be just mm. not the best time right now yep uh, that's exactly what happened with my uh, <laughs> my retreats that I thought would be a great idea to put on mid 2020 when the world was actually a bin fire so <laughs> 
you know, yeah. like I knew it was a great idea uh, and it still is a great idea, but it was just like every time we tried to bring it together, it just was the wrong time and it just something would happen and something would happen. And it just became like an exercise in trying to brute force something when it just wasn't right. Yeah, totally. I mean, the same. I felt last year events, running events was just not a no, thing. People were no. just not interested. <laughs> Yeah, it's not easy. I think things are starting to come back together, though. So watch this space yes, for, you know, well, yes, retreats definitely. and events and all sorts. Yeah, happening People in the universe and astrology and stuff. Yeah, mm. we'll find um, last year. And last year was the year of the ox as well. I'm going to talk about my spiritual Please. Life. The ox is slow and methodical and I see him, you know, trudging through mud. So that's what last year was about was just, you're just oh, trudging through the mud. Whereas now... You're just going to especially March because I can't remember what it is, but there's some astrological thing with the planets or whatever. A planet moves <laughs> to a certain point it hasn't been in for like 30 odd years and now everyone's just going to notice everything's starting to take off. So any issues you are having or setbacks or things were just not happening, it's going to happen now. <laughs> nice. See, it's about damn time is what I say. <laughs> yeah, buckle yourself in and be ready for the ride of your life. <laughs> I'm always, I'm always buckled. I'm always ready because there's always something new that's coming along that you wouldn't expect or yeah. Yeah, so see coming. Was planting the seeds, I feel like Love it. now the wheels are in motion. We're going to start um, reaping the rewards. We're going to start Perfect. picking our fruit and veggies now. <laughs> Love it. I love it. The, the, the figurative, metaphorical fruits of all of our labours. Oh, that's it. Like I said, it, if it's meant to happen, it's meant to happen. If it's not, you just got to accept it. You do. You do. <laughs> I know it's really hard because some of us are really stubborn like I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, if it's meant to be, it should be easy. Totally. I couldn't agree more. Hey, dude, where We're can done. people find you? Where can people find you if they want to come? I mean, and- well, man, you Google oh. Marendi and you'll find me. But, yeah, so I've got marendi.com.au, which is my Marendi health business, and then you've got, AuthenticHealthpreneurs.com, which is my coaching, strategy, mentoring. And then, of course, I've also got MerendiLeverett.com, which is my holistic spiritual side. You know, I'm trained in Reiki and crystal healing. So oh, totally filled to my clinical life. <laughs> Get all the different facets of Merendi. Dang, that's what I am. Got to balance me out. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I love it. So cool. Look, Mirandi, it's been a great chat. I feel like it has absolutely flown though as well. Like how, I know. Oh, but I like, yeah, someone, yeah, takes something from me that, you know, <laughs> the person who's fallen down seven times and has got up eight, literally. I've had one block after another and I've not let it No. Wait. No, Mrs. Resilience. If you look up resilience in the dictionary, there's a picture of Mirandi right next to it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that would be hilarious! <laughs> Photograph of me. <laughs> Go, it's a very visual dictionary that one that I have. <laughs> cool. Well, look, it's been a fabulous opportunity to chat. It's been far too long since we've chatted in general, but I'm really glad that we got to record this one. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming along and having a having a blather with me. Oh, it's very Scottish, isn't it? I should undo that. At <laughs> <laughs> all. It's just in there. I can't help it. I lived there for a decade. They've they've just oh, right. like, stuck in my brain forever. I come from Scottish heritage, so I don't mind. Well, you probably that would have gotten that would have slipped through if I hadn't said anything. Anyway, it's been fabulous to chat. That's another one done. 
what should yes. we do now? Maybe go relax and go relax. Well, it's well, it's school pickup time now. So it is pickup time. It is. So we better go be responsible adults for a little while. So to to anybody listening, thanks for listening for another episode. We'll be back in your ears next week for something else extra 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 special cool all right have a great week or a day or a month or a year or whatever between listens we'll see you really soon bye 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 that's it for another episode of storytelling magnificence thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed the episode then i'd love for you to tell your pals leave a review like share or subscribe whatever helps us get our stories into more ear holes I'm about on all the socials at Write It Copywriting and my name, Lizzie McCauley. Until we do it all again next time, keep doing you. See ya!